0: Today I have a really amazing guest that I am so excited to share with you. If you have done any research on the professional development of counselors, you have seen this man's name. You guys, his CV is 39 pages long. Dr. Thomas Skolvholt is the author of 14 books, including the very notable and well-regarded The Resilient Practitioner, which is in its fourth edition. Dr. Schofield has authored and co-authored 109 articles and book chapters, the most recent currently being printed in the Journal of Holistic Healthcare, titled An Open Letter of Love and Care to Healthcare Professionals with Resilience Strategies for the COVID-19 War. And he has presented to over 300 professional organizations. Dr. Schofield is the Morse Alumni Distinguished Professor Emeritus in the Counseling Psychology Program of the Department of Educational Psychology at the University of Minnesota. He has over 19,000 hours of psychology practice spanning 50 years, which continues today. He has received numerous awards and accolades, including the Fulbright Award, the University of Missouri College of Education Alumni Award for Outstanding Professional Achievement, the Research Award for the Association for Counselor Education and Supervision and the APA Division 17 International Section Lifetime Achievement Award, to name just a few. Here is Dr. Thomas Skolvholt. First of all, such an honor that you agreed to meet with me today. And that just speaks a lot to, I think, the character of who you are as a teacher and somebody who wants to pass on important information.
1: Thank you. I'm excited about your podcast and what you're doing for counseling students and new professionals and everybody else.
0: (laughs) I came across this article in Positive Psychology. It listed the three books that they felt were most important for new therapists to read. Number one was Man's Search for Meeting by Viktor Frankl. Of course, uh, incredibly important book, probably one of the most important books in my life. Number oh. two, On Becoming a Person by Carl Rogers.
1: Oh, come on. Now. This is going to make my day.
0: Mm. <laughs> Number three, The Resilient Practitioner
1: oh, by wow. Thomas Cole. How does that feel? It just doesn't feel real, but yeah. Oh. So I guess.
0: You're the real deal.
1: Nordic uh, Lutheran culture oh. by background. If I was a female, I'd be you know, not to genderize things, but I'd probably be fainting. <laughs>
0: that's right. <laughs> exactly. What an honor. I I Mind too control. loved what your book is about and that's what I've been wanting to talk about with people yeah. on this podcast is being a resilient therapist. What does that look like? So I was going to read just a little section from chapter 1.
1: <laughs> oh and it
0: says, <laughs> "Exhausted when saying yes, guilty mm. when saying no. This mm. tension is between giving and taking, between other care and self-care." this is a universal dilemma in the human drama. It is just more intense for those who are by nature and inclination emotionally attuned to the needs of others. It gets highly illuminated when intense human interaction, helping, teaching, guiding, advising, or healing is the occupational core. Here, giving of oneself is the constant requirement for success. Caring for others is the precious commodity. Ooh, I love that. How much should one work for the other? This moment, this hour, this day, this week, this month, this year, this decade, this career. How much to give this hour to the one I'm trying to help when there will be another day of many hours, another Mm. week of many more hours. How much to give of the self for the other this hour. Mm. That is powerful. Just this morning, I was having an online conversation with a therapist who was asking how many hours do you work to try to find that? How do we stay balanced? So we need to add how much to give the other during this pandemic. We often hear of nurses and teachers leaving the field in droves, but we see it happening in the counseling field some too. So can you just talk a little bit about what burnout is Mm. and what are those contributing factors that lead to burnout?
1: I think, first of all, responding to what you read, this oh. constant tension, maybe, is the reality, you know of, of always kind of paying it to oneself and how much a person is giving or be able to save for themselves. And balance is a word. Of course, it's overused, but what better word is there in the balance beam? Would go off on both sides, but constantly trying to find the the place. I think it's a ongoing tension. That if a person thinks of it that way, it really is helpful. So, in, just in terms of burnout, Christine Mashlock, back up uh, one step. Freidenberger's article in 1974 on using the word burnout with New York City counselors. Mm-hmm. it's like an obscure journal. He talked about <laughs> burnout for the first time because that's what was happening to his staff. Okay. And then she, the University of California, Berkeley, developed an inventory that a lot of people use. It mm-hmm. really has three scales. One is exhaustion, which is the most important one, probably, mm-hmm. and a sense of depersonalization and and kind of morphing into the role in a way. And then another one is getting angry or cynical uh-huh. or frustrated with the people you're trying to help. Those are the three key scales. So if you think about those things, that'd be fine. I also throw in the pot <laughs> of what is burnout. This idea of meaning burnout. Which is, oh. it doesn't mean anything anymore. I, 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 I don't care. Let's listen another oh. part but it, it's yeah. not meaningful. The counseling doesn't work. Teaching doesn't help. Doing certain kind of medical stuff doesn't work. Doesn't really help people because they don't pay attention. They said the second one, caring burnout, meaning burnout, caring burnout. The terms are explained themselves, simple terms, but yeah. Meaning burnout, caring burnout. I no longer care. And then what do you do about that to keep going? First of all, a lot of people can't do it anymore. So they're quitting it. And I think this this term moral injury is a good Mm. newer term, which is used probably, I think it came from combat actually in some way. Soldiers, we don't really want to pay attention to what military people do, which is young men kill other young men and then Mm -hmm. they come back. And then, what do I feel about that? But the moral injury probably in our field is, I didn't do as good a job as I wanted to because I had 12 patients and I only can care for six and I can't stand doing such poor work and this is burnout and moral injury. One more thing in the burnout topic, (laughs) I have these four scales in this little inventory I developed, professional vitality, personal vitality, professional stress, personal stress. And the idea that, again, self-planatory terms, too much professional stress, personal stress, too little professional vitality, personal vitality. It just doesn't work very well when our job is to develop these one-way caring relationships. Right. And and another term I learned a long time ago from a teacher was the other person's hot center is what you focus on what does that mean? it just means where their life is where their attention mm-hmm. is what they're thinking about all the counseling experiences you've had when you talk to a, a, maybe a, a, ch- a child or a teenager or adult what are mm-hmm. they focused on in their life and in our profession we focus on what their focus center
0: joining with so, them wherever they are in that moment
1: wherever they are yeah, yeah. And so i think burnout is a version of all those kind of Things I just talked
0: about. As you were saying that, the word hopeless kept coming to my mind that if you don't feel hope that people are going to change or that they're going to do the things that you've suggested, whether you're a nurse or a teacher or a counselor, feeling that like drudgery of I'm doing more work than the person sitting across from me is. When you have that thought, that could be a dangerous place.
1: Yeah, that is, that's a classic one, isn't it? But hope, I think that's one of the things that we offer. We have these methods and techniques and ideas, but in some ways, it's hope. We offer hope to the other person. And when oh. the, the practitioner can't be hopeful, let's say a counselor, um, that's really difficult. And what, one of my thoughts is the reason we have new theories or techniques or methods come along isn't necessarily for the new techniques or methods. Because uh-huh. there's a lot of old fish and new rappers, uh-huh. but it's the idea that the practitioner, especially younger ones learning stuff, get really excited and hopeful uh-huh. and they pass along their hopefulness to the client who's to use this old drone Frank term demoralized uh-huh. And the hopefulness is really important because yeah, and we actually, I'm reading a book by Jane Goodall, who's uh-huh. the chimp researcher er, with the Africa. Yeah, and the title of the book is Hope, and so it's her version of hope, but she's expanded it beyond the chimps to hopefulness for the world and ecology. But I've been reading and think more about hope because that is really something we offer. But if you can't offer hope anymore, right, then maybe you can't do the work.
0: Yeah, and I could see in her work hope being really connected to connection, connections to a chimp, (laughs) but transferring that to us is like hope. Involves being connected with someone or something beyond yourself. We are in this pandemic and it has been a challenge. One of the unique challenges for counselors is that we're experiencing a lot of the same challenges and difficulties that our clients are. Now, of course, they come in with all of their unique takes on that, but At the beginning, especially when counselors had their kids in the other room and we're trying to educate them and yeah, yeah. the anxiety of sick relatives or that kind of thing and feeling like you just want to say, yeah, me too, with your clients. And so I just wondered what is the particular nuance of resilience that has to be in place for counselors in this stage that we're in, this life stage that we're all sharing? Yeah.
1: Yeah, it is more difficult, but also I could argue that it's about the same or less difficult than other time mm-hmm. periods, but the idea that let's just say you're in a room with somebody now and you're afraid of your own health as well as theirs, or as you mentioned, uh, it seems like one of the most stressed group are the working mothers with young children, just uh-huh. extremely stressed with the children, it could be fathers too, extremely stressed with doing the work with a client on the phone or video while the Uh children are in the other room Uh and and then the teacher of the children and then all the worries about the virus in different forms i I guess i'm just agreeing with you about it's a, a, a difficult time and the resilience things is difficult there are a lot of little things like Having a little, some of this feels trite in a way, but having a bath, laughing, maybe not watching the news so much. The the national news is, I've been saying, it's it's actually the bad news hour Uh because news tends to be about tragedy. And of course, we want to know about tragedy. We want to know about what's happening in the world. We want to know about Ukraine. We want to, you know, but on the other hand, if your whole day is, Filled with sadness and despair, which is from your clients. And I think one of the great contributions we make is we walk into negative affect or feelings and stand, and it's a, it's such a great contribution, and it's a version of the hope, and I, I understand you, I'm present with you. I think there are little pleasures in one's life that really help, and as much as possible, these things like having loving relations. I can say all this, but to do it's a lot more difficult of course so I, I understand of course. that so positive loving relationships in one's life there's some kind of physical exercise having meaning in the work in one's life really working these are just a list working on getting better oh. and i think working on getting better has two things one is getting better and feeling better about that but the process of development oh. of is the process of development is invigorating. We have a theory of professional development. Me and my friend, Ron, who's at the University of Oslo, And it starts with the idea of for practitioners. There are struggles. It's struggles. So don't start with the idea there aren't struggles. There are struggles. And so right. in, within the I, development is our struggles. I think of my clients, I'm still seeing clients i think what i'm going to try to be helpful also that it, it, having process definitions of success i can i can be engaged my level of engagement in finding the right way to do the dance is my part uh-huh what the outcome is for the other person it's a whole different thing.
0: Yeah, I had a little sticky note the first probably <laughs> six months of the pandemic when I was starting to do Zoom care for clients. Oh, yeah. I had a sticky note on my computer that just said, just connect. Just connect. There you go. Because I may not feel like I can change everything. Things are out of control, but I just need to connect.
1: No, I love it. It's very simple, uh-huh. very profound. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And in a way, describing the whole job. If you can't connect, then that's a problem. Then you got the the burnout stuff and then you have to figure out how to be resilient to be able to keep connecting. And maybe, and I'm using your words, if you're trying to connect with too many people, maybe a person can't do that at that Uh. time or figure out ways to connect or having some breaks. But if the job is just connect which is, it's beautiful. It's hard when you're teaching your counseling students that you go on, they get, learn all this stuff. And yes. then it kind of summarizes to that. But but that's how the field is, by the way. So resilience is how to continue to just connect and maybe mm-hmm. having some experiences that are disappointing or the person goes away. And I th- this whole thing about you are attached and separation mm-hmm. and loss. And so one of the questions is about just connect. How do I connect to new people when I've been abandoned by a person yeah. that I was connected with before, how do we deal with our own professional losses? And so it's really a tremendous amount of energy that goes into the idea of accept the consequences, but be so engaged in it and then keep doing it over and over. Don't take yourself too seriously, but really right. work hard. I think the privilege of being in the profession, being oh. person you know, is really big. And if you lose that, yes. and I have a friend who's actually, he's a chaplain, but he uses this term relationship, intense professions. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. In school, we always teach content, but it, it's a relationship, intense profession. So again, if you can't do the relationship, the intense relationship, the one way carrying relationship, the focus on the other person's hot sense, oh. just connect, those are all the things that fight against. And so for yeah. me personally, as a counselor, as a teacher, as a, as a person, how do we keep figuring out sources of vitality? When I listen to people talk about what they do for vitality, we could all talk about stress factors. It's all about the next day. And right.
0: Finding those those things that give you life, that bring you passion. Yes that light your world up, that's what keeps you going for the next day. Yeah, I like all those yeah. terms.
1: Yeah, good. Yeah. And sometimes I've thought about the old model for the public school teachers. is what you, and I use the cycle of caring idea, which is in the fall, they connect with new kids, you know, who want attachments and then the winter it's all work in the spring, they get a chance to say goodbye.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: And it's a beautiful thing because in counseling, a lot of times we don't have that formal goodbye. They have the picnics, they have a little ceremony, and then they close the door. And summer is this is theoretical renewal. Oh. So I think in some ways we have to invent our own cycle of caring for ourselves and other fields that don't have it formalized like yes. that. Nobody else gets three months off, and teachers would say, I don't get them off too. But right. know, in theory, uh, it's a beautiful thing. So, oh, that's
0: such a that's such a great visual for yeah. just the idea of attachment and, and relationship.
1: Yeah. That right. there's
0: comes in such nice packaged seasons. The other piece I was thinking about in all this is perspective. You started to mention a little bit earlier, you said, I could argue this isn't the worst time <laughs> that counselors have had. And I agree with that. I just yeah. had this yeah. really beautiful conversation with my 88-year-old dad the other day. And he said, we had that same kind of fear of the unknown coming out of the depression and the wars, it just really gave me this perspective of this all being seasonal and cyclical. It's a different kind of stress, right. this pandemic, than we've had for a while. <laughs> but again, having perspective, I think, is so important to say, this isn't going to be forever this way. And we will adapt. We will figure out how to do this.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: Uh, and just like we would say with our clients who are going through a hard time, right. Do tomorrow, one day tomorrow, you know, and, and for me, that helps with the burnout piece and we just have to make it through tomorrow and things will change. That's something we can always count on. Right. Right.
1: No, I think it's true in the small steps, I bite quite a bit now. And one -hmm. of the things that's helped me is when I look at a hill, I try not to look at the hill. I try to look at right in front of my tire. Perfect. Because I realized when I look way right at the hill, my whole body gets dejected. Yes. And when I look right <laughs> in front of the tire, I can do that.
0: Then you could look back and go, oh, my goodness, look where I just came from.
1: Right. That was
0: successful. And
1: right. That's right. great. So yeah. any last yeah.
0: thoughts about um, encouragements for counselors, maybe maybe brand new ones, but ones who have been in the field forever? Yeah. who are just struggling right now, yeah. what would be your encouragement?
1: Well, I think the, one of the encouragements is how wonderful our field has developed and how it's become much more valued and esteemed by the public. And part of it is the stigma of mental health has changed dramatically. And the use of psychological knowledge and the value People attribute, everybody takes Psych One now in college, including part of the medical school admission test for the first time has psychology. So I think the idea, the little uh, textbooks that intro psych 100 years ago were about 20 pages, and now they're about 300 <laughs> pages. Exactly. You know, students can go, oh my God. But it's just that I think that the stigma of mental health that's been down, the use of psychological knowledge, and value has really gone up. That's a big difference. and. And then the esteem of people in the counseling field. It wasn't too long ago that people would say, oh, the shrinks are crazy. Which uh-huh. is that it's a terrible term and we don't use that as much. And so I think that's some in, in psychological counseling methods, whatever we want to call them, behavioral science, applied behavioral science is just valued much more i mean it wasn't that long ago when we uh, use example you put a kid in the corner and put a dunce hat on him and have him face in the corner and try to beat the devil out of him all the punishment methods that will rehab chemical dependency domestic violence we have new language so i think that's the most exciting thing now people in the field will say or new people will say school is so expensive i have to go to school so long there's mm. so much competition for jobs. Those are all true, but the, the foundation is is really strong and, and valuable. The other thing is that people are talking about using counseling services a lot. Yes. The, the universities, the students are lined up to get in the counseling center. Yeah. And I think there are two arguments for that, right? One is, oh my God, there's much more stress and students are worse off. And we could talk about that and maybe that's true. On the other hand, they're admitting the things. They even know some of that language. They know the way we should. And sometimes you, I've used dentistry as an example. At one point, you know, they put a rope around the tooth and they got the horse and they giddy <laughs> up and the and tooth comes out and that's dentistry. And one point, I guess we put people in big state hospitals and just let them work in the garden and hallucinate. And now dentistry as well and counseling and mental health is the same thing. And there's so
0: much more to learn still. That excites me that there's so much more we can just know that the more we understand the brain and neuropsychology that, oh, it's very exciting to think about where this field can go in the next 20, 30 years even.
1: Right, yeah, Yeah. true. And things like your podcast, (laughs) it's a new reality, distributing information, valuable things to people. That's terrific, yeah.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me today to talk. It's truly an honor. I mean, you are an inspiration and such a help in our field for talking about important things. So I really appreciate your time.
1: That's a pleasure for me. Thank you.
0: Visit finishnotes.com for this episode's show notes and subscribe to the podcast in your favorite player.